Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Resource Families Thrive podcast by Stanford Sierra Youth and Families. This is Daniel, your Resource Family Training Specialist in Pathways to Permanency. We're going to dive on into talking about some of the home regulation stuff today. Uh, we get a lot of questions just out and about about like how people have to set up their homes, why things have to be set up certain ways. And so we thought it would be a really good chance for us to talk to you about that. Before we do get started in introducing our guest speakers, I want to remind everyone to like, comment, and share any of the podcast episode posts that you might see on social media or on the platforms you listen on. It just really helps us with our reach. Our goal is to help people to feel more secure, to help you feel like you are more ready to get into this really amazing, beautiful world that helping a child in foster care can be. Sometimes I do get new listeners on our episodes, so if that's you, then I want you to know a little bit about who we are. Stanford Sierra Youth and Families is a merged organization, uh, and with the various backgrounds that our components had, we've got over 150 years of combined experience. We have a lot of knowledge and information about the way the systems work in various capacities all around the greater Northern California region. We are an organization with a very well-rounded set of services, but what it really comes down to is that our supports are to youth and families within the greater Sacramento region, always in pursuit of our mission, transforming lives by nurturing permanent connections and empowering families to solve challenges together so every child can thrive. So as I mentioned today, we are going to be talking about home regulations, what those things look like. People always seem to know that there will be a walkthrough, but I think that they get some interesting ideas in their heads as to exactly what that might wind up looking like. So hopefully we can dispel some myths and provide you with some facts today. Um, I am going to go ahead and let my colleagues introduce themselves. All right. My name is Kelsey and I am the approval specialist for Stanford Sierra. I have been with the agency six years and um, been working at the capacity of approval specialist and I support uh, the Sacramento families and I'm excited to be a part of this podcast. Hi, my name is Michelle Young and I'm a permanency specialist with our northernmost offices in our Grass Valley location. And I also do the uh, permanency specialist role in our, for our Placer County uh, office. Um, I have been working for the agency for about 12 years. I love my job. I love coming alongside families and helping them get their homes ready for the resource family approval. You two are approval and permanency specialists, which does mean that you have several different roles, but of course, we're here to talk about home walkthroughs today in particular. Uh, so I know that there's there are different things that you do around like the paperwork collection and ensuring that families are compliant with the different trainings that they have to do, all of those different things. Can one of you kind of explain the purpose of a home walkthrough? Like, how would you summarize that in a few sentences? Well, at Stanford Sierra Youth and Families, um, we do the home walkthrough typically towards the end of the approval process with our resource families that are coming through the 
process. And it's really a great way that we go about it because it really gives families a chance to learn as they go through the process with the various people that are supporting them with resource family approval, just the time to learn about what the requirements are. Um, we provide a lot of documentation that just outlines all of, all of the state regulations and our agency policy regulations. But at the end of the day, it's really simple. It's, it's keeping our families informed of what they need to do to have their their home safe for children. And when we're talking about safety, that can definitely mean different things for different ages. Um, and it's all about keeping our homes and our families safe. And so Kelsey, um, kind of going building on what Michelle said, what are some of the differences that you would want to see in a home where there are younger children versus a home where they're going in for like adolescents or teens? Just to kind of echo what Michelle said, that um, when I go out to the family's home, I do try like the first half I re review licensing and some of the expectations, like as far as like how to store things. But when doing so, I always make sure to um, mention age appropriateness as far as like childproof locks and just knowing it's really going to be individual to the kiddo. Yeah, there's there's a lot of variability there and we have to kind of look at a lot of different a lot of different factors is kind of what I'm hearing, you know, age of the child, development of the child, um, because as we've talked about through trainings and through podcast episodes and everything, not all of our kids are typically developed with the things that they are physically capable of doing. Um, so it does make sense that we would have to really look at the home. When you are talking to someone about what the home walkthrough will look like when you are talking to them about the different steps within that process. What are some of the most common concerns that families have about you even going out to the home? I think um, one of the concerns that people have is that they're worried that, you know, somebody is going to be judging their home and that we're going to get out our white gloves and we're going to be inspecting every little corner and dust and laundry and a few dishes in the sink. That's usually the least of my concerns when I go out to a home is I'm really looking at what is the first thing that we have to check off on our um, safety checkoff list. And that's that the home of the applicant is clean, safe, sanitary, and in good repair. And so people people are worried about um, their home. They're nervous. They they feel like it has to be absolutely perfect, and that's that's not so. You know, if we we're looking at there needs to be smoke detectors in in outside of bedrooms or inside of uh, each bedroom. That there needs to be um, a plan in place for poisons and cleansers, that medicines should be locked up, those kind of things. But that that's just really, you know, a part of good parenting. A lot of this is just the kind of things that you would want to have taken care of to, if you have any child that comes into your home. So we're not looking for perfection by any means. We're looking, we're really just looking at safety. I always emphasize like we are not shooting for perfection. Um, we want to know that a real human lives here and yes, there's adjustments to be made, but it's a partnership. We want a, the goal really during the walkthrough is just to ensure you feel supported and understand what it takes um, to be a resource parent. 
because at the end of the day, you are a resource for these kiddos. Yeah. So just making sure to know that it's not, we're not aiming for perfection and we're aiming to support you and letting you know what licensing really does look like. Back in the the long ago days when I was doing home walkthroughs myself, I remember actually telling families, don't do any major cleaning just because you know I'm coming. Like I would actually tell them, don't. And they would get very confused and I'd say, I want to see how you live. Like I want to see how you live so that way we can adjust what needs to be adjusted and try to kind of hang within your comfort zone. Like there's some stuff that'll need to be changed, but don't assume. Just let me tell you what might need to be shifted because we don't want you to put needless stress on yourself. Um, so I think that that was always a relief for families. Another, another fun thing, you, you two have probably encountered this, but a fun thing that I have encountered when I was doing home walkthroughs was when I would get to a home where they already had children and they would say, well, I did clean up and put all the toys away and everything. And you look around, it's like a little tornado had gone through a toy box. It's like, I put them away and they got them all back out and started playing again. So that's something I encountered a fair few times. We, we, we know that we're walking into homes and they should feel like homes. We don't want them to feel like a facility or, you know, something that doesn't, we want it to feel homey and we want it to feel welcoming, reassuring and comforting um, and, and happy. We, we want that feeling when we go into our homes. And that usually indicates that there might, that might be a little surface messes around, you know, we're, we're really looking at things that have to do with safety. For instance, if I go into a home and the family is interested in accepting a youth under the age of five, I might be looking at something like, um, you know, tall tippy bookcases and dressers that could be tipping hazards for a child that's learning to walk or pull up on something. And so I might, um, you know, share with them some information on um, safety devices that can help to anchor things like that into the wall so that that's one less thing they have to worry about or that grandfather clock that could be really tall and tippy, you know, making sure that that's anchored in the wall. Um, but seeing, you know, some laundry on the bed or something is is really not what I'm looking at. Obviously, we want clean, sanitary, safe homes, but we're really looking at common sense safety at the end of the day. When she mentioned the word facility, uh, that can be an intimidating word for families when, because um, part of this, you have to make a facility sketch. Um, but the reality is, is that these facility sketches are really just to, in the case of an emergency, if like a fire were to happen or a flood, and just knowing that the sketches do seem like um, intimidating in the beginning, but really they are a way to communicate safety for your family system. I'll keep on talking about the the long ago times, and in this case, it's before continuum of care reform and resource family approval, when facility really meant a whole different thing. We had to do facility sketches, but just just they were titled the same thing. But the regulations back in the day, at least in my memory, stand out as being a lot more restrictive than they are now. Um, it it felt institutional very much. It did not feel like the home-based setting that we really wanted to go for. Um, so I, I can 
I can chime in for sure on like, we want things to feel homey. We want our kids to feel secure. Daniel, I really appreciate what, what you just said about that. I think the reasonable and prudent parent standard that came out in, um, I want to say 2014, I'm not sure of the exact time, but I remember when I first started doing home approvals, there were some regulations um, that were a lot more stringent for family homes that are different today. An example of that was, I remember uh, doing a home walkthrough um, in Nevada County at one time, and the family uh, was taking placement of a 15-year-old youth, and they had a wood stove to heat their home, and it was in the right regulation that that wood stove had to have a gate around it and be completely protected. Now that has fallen into the reasonable prudent parent standard classification where absolutely something like that has to be safe, but we're looking at it in a different way because the family was only opening up their home to you know kids over 10. For them to have a baby gate around their wood stove was not necessary. So it's things like that that are a little bit more relaxed in the regulations now. And I think that that's just a real invitation for people to to come forward because it's it it's true. It's not as difficult as it used to be. Let's go back to something kind of simple here. What are the things that you really enjoy about your role as an approval or permanency specialist? My favorite role about being an approval specialist is really being able to walk alongside these families and support them through the process. It's new, it's different, like it doesn't feel natural licensing your home in, in any way. I can imagine it's not it's not comforting initially, but it's nice to be able to work with them and build this rapport with them because throughout the journey, Michelle and I work with these families consistently throughout their journey as resource families. So it's nice to pass along the wisdom that we have and educate the families to really learn about licensing and why the why behind um, keeping a kiddo safe and just being a support at that capacity. I think for me, um, what I enjoy the most is really, I love to help people um, overcome their fear and dispel some of the myths um, and just to instill the confidence that they can do this, that they can be resource parents. There's a lot of kids out there that need good homes and that need homes that feel like home, that feel comforting and um, relaxed. And, um, you know, I work and live in kind of our northernmost area of um, our region in Nevada County. And I've worked uh, with a lot of families who have a lot of outbuildings and a lot of, um, you know, big rural properties. And um, sometimes when I go out to a home, I tell people right off the bat, if you came to my home today, my home wouldn't pass, you know, because I'm, I'm not at this time set up to be a resource family. Um, so there are some things that need to be addressed at times. You know, we're looking at outbuildings, garages, making sure that the poisons are locked up and um, that everything is safe on the property. And I... I really enjoy being creative with families to help them think outside the box a little bit to store some of these things. One of the regulations is, is that all poisons on the property need to remain locked. 
um, that doesn't have to cost a lot of money. People can find a, you know, a secondhand used cabinet and put a padlock on it and store all of their things that are um, like in the garage in one spot. So I like coming into people's uh, lives and just walking through their property with them and offering su suggestions that can, can help them. Um, recently, we helped a family that was coming forward for um, a kinship placement. And um, she had a um, kind of a, a tight space in her home and already a couple of kids of her own in the house. And she was um, coming forward for Kin, who has been in the foster kids care system for quite some time. And it was great to come alongside of her and work with her to create an extra bedroom in her home that she had, that was not being used as a bedroom, but it satisfied the state requirements for a bedroom because it had a window, it had privacy. Um, there just needed to be some things that we, that we, um, I helped her revise. And she was able to be approved just a couple of weeks ago um, by creating, uh, you know, a, a bedroom out of a non-traditional space. So I love just doing that kind of work. It's, it's great. And um, I think it's what we, you know, probably one of the highlights of our position is being able to do something like that so that families can bring in kin and, and be a resource to help kids in care in general. I know I've talked about this in previous episodes uh, and various points along the way, but everything that we do comes back to community care licensing regulation step set by the state of California. That is what it comes down to. It's not us trying to be controlling. It's not us trying to tell families how they have to be a family, any of those things. It's that the state has certain standards that are set to safety. Now, the reason I am very clear in stating this is I've had the chance to talk with some of the licensing analysts, so the people from the state that might inspect our agency or our agency's homes. And families have asked, well, what if a child breaks into the cabinet where I have the medicine stored or breaks into the cabinet where I you know, keep the alcohol? As long as people are demonstrating that they have done their due diligence, that's what matters. Sometimes kids will do things like that out of curiosity or because, you know, teenagers are teenagers. And so sometimes they're going to want to try to sneak some booze. But if the family has done their due diligence, then that is all we can ask. Like if it becomes a repeat issue, that's a different conversation. But that's what we're looking for is doing due diligence and making sure that we are following these safety standards that all families have to, to do. Let's take a quick second to talk about a couple of really key items that people bring up like all the time during orientation or even during the first phone calls that I've had with them. Uh, and so that's especially around things like space available uh, families sometimes think, well, I can't do that because I've only got, you know, a couple of bedrooms in my home and I've got my own kids and they can't share with the kids in foster care, right? What do you, what do you say to them? I'd say wrong. <laughs> um, the truth is, is your children in the home and foster kids can definitely share a bedroom. Um, there's, there's a couple things to remember that if they're not biologically related 
and they're different genders that when one of them turns eight, they do need to be in a separate bedroom. So boys and girls shouldn't be sharing a bedroom after the age of eight. Now, if they're biological siblings, the regulations do allow for some flexibility in that. Um, we definitely need to make sure that it works for everybody, that everybody's getting good sleep and that everybody is, you know, that it generally works, but um, it certainly can be done. Um, you can have um, children in your, uh, I should say babies in your, your own bedroom as a resource parent until the age of two. Um, and the regulations allow for up to four children in a room. Um, and that used to be two. And then, the, uh, you know, a couple years back, that changed to four. So it gives families um, a lot more flexibility with adding kids to the, the bedroom spaces that are available. Generally, we don't like to see more than two children sharing a bedroom. But, um, you know, if there's adequate space and it works for everyone, there's definitely flexibility. And I know that regulation especially got changed. That way we can keep siblings together. Like that's that's the big thing is if we've got a bigger group of, of siblings, of brothers, sisters, then why would we want to try to split them up? So that's that was a really big shift in a very positive direction. Also, when we are assessing the home, um, we look for capacity. We assess for CCL capacity and your social worker will assess for like what, what works for your family system, what works as far as the matching with the two, the two kiddos, three kiddos, et cetera. So at the end of the day, we do, we come out there to assess for capacity, but um, your social worker is one that will support with that. When you are doing like a final home walkthrough, so the families have completed all of their paperwork, the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, all of that stuff. What are you looking for in a home that is ready in that moment? Or what do you hope to see? Well, definitely all of our regulations and check boxes need to be checked that the houses met the safety requirements. Um, but we really want to see it's it's ideal when we see the bedroom space for the youth um, be pretty close to being prepared. It doesn't have to be completely set up, but we would want to see some some homes are actually still set up as maybe their home office, but we want to talk about a plan for a quick turnaround so that that room will be a child's bedroom in a matter of a few days or certainly will be required at the date of placement. And we want to um, just let our families know that one of the one of the most special things that you can do with a new youth that comes into your home is to allow them that freedom to to decorate and personalize their bedroom. Um, that is such an empowering feeling for a youth and an exciting thing for anyone to do, to be able to go shopping and, you know, gather some things that are, you know, inspiring and fun for them and age appropriate and are the colors that they like. And this, this really helps kids just feel safe and reassured that they're, you know, that they're settled in a place that they're going to be for a while and that they have voice and choice over what their, what their bedroom space looks like. Um, so that's definitely something that I like to discuss with all of the families when I go out and do the final walkthrough. And, you know, generally they don't, sometimes they don't know if they're going to get a boy or a girl 
Are they going to get a teenager or a, you know, a six-year-old? So not to do too much in the space um, initially, but to have some, some games around, um, that's always great to have some board games around, some card games around. Those are, those are such great icebreakers when kids come into your home. It's like, it's a really to get to interact with one another. Um, I always encourage families to have games outside of the bedroom as well, so that kids, when they come into your home, that they don't feel like the bedroom space is their only space, that there's child appropriate toys and games outside of their bedroom so that they feel welcome and included in the entire home and not just the bedroom space. Typically, when working with families and assessing for capacity, I always like, for example, the room that a kiddo would be primarily placed in. Um, I always say to ensure everything in that room would be the child's belonging. So anything miscellaneous, like a vacuum or anything like utility item wouldn't live in that room. It, it, that room specifically would be for the kiddo. And while the outcome isn't always um, permanent, um, the goal is just to ensure that the kiddo's room space is safe and really at the end of the day, minimizing trauma experiences and allowing these kiddos to have like a safe place to, to call home and feel like they're on too. Can one of you explain, just to remind everyone, what a resource parent really is? So a resource family is a resource for children in care um, to just emphasize that while, while being a resource family, the goal is to have a safe and nurturing home. And of course, um, there are adjustments to be made because it can sometimes, and as well, it can sometimes feel invasive um, to adjust your home in such ways. But at the end of the day, the goal is to make sure that you are a resource to these kiddos and they have a safe and nurturing home and we're minimizing trauma experiences for these kiddos that are placed in care. So a big part of it is being is being creative with ensuring that your home meets licensing standards while also meeting these these kiddos needs in a sense of um, in the sense of being a warm and nurturing family and allowing these kiddos to come into an environment that feels safe and supportive and um, and again, that's that's you being a resource family. We need more resource homes for kids in care. The numbers in California have gone down in the past years, but there's still an amazing amount of kids that need homes and they need normal lives and they need families that love them that will provide for them everything that they've been missing and everything that will bring them a bright and happy, safe, future. And at the end of the day, it's that's done through family and through home. And we need more families for kids in care, especially for those that are in the preteen and teenagers. Um, and, you know, there'll never be a right and perfect time, just like there's never going to be a perfect time to be a parent, no matter what, there never is. Um, but to the first step might be to just come to an orientation, learn more, um, work with our staff to learn more about how we can support you. And uh, we sure hope to get more families. Kelsey and Michelle, that was absolutely beautiful. I really do appreciate your time today. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks so much. 
Um, as a reminder, again, for all of our listeners, like, comment, and share on any of the posts that you see regarding our podcast so we can continue to get this information out into the world. If you are interested in learning more, we do have orientation meetings the first and third Thursday of each month, and those start at six o'clock. If you are interested in joining, you can contact our main office, 916-368-5114, or you can visit our website at ssyaf.org. So that's all for now. I look forward to sharing more with you again. And Kelsey, what should they do? Until we talk to you again, keep thriving.